0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hedging Screens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach Cronin, and I'm thrilled that you would choose to spend some time here with me today. I hope everybody is doing well mentally, physically, and emotionally. I hope everybody is staying cool during this during this absolutely disastrous heat wave that we're experiencing. Um, you know, I've lived in New York my entire life, and still, there is nothing more that I despise than opening up my weather app and scrolling down to the bottom where it says feel like and it's close to 105 degrees I know that might be a little privileged of me because there are people who routinely deal with temperatures significantly higher than that but you know I'm sure it sucks either way I wish that nobody would have to experience shit like that but enough about me enough about all this bullshit about the weather, enough about all this bullshit about climate change. We have to talk about the one story that everybody wants to talk about. So over the last couple of weeks, the uh, hubbub surrounding Kevin Durant's trade request with the Brooklyn Nets began to uh, temper out. There were a couple of teams associated with him or mentioned alongside them at a potential deal, the Boston Celtics, uh, the Toronto Raptors, although that kind of fell apart after they refused to include Scotty Barnes in any type of deal. Effectively, there is nothing going on with Kevin Durant. And still, even in light of this recent news, I do feel that nothing is going to come of this deal. But Kevin Durant, in his effort to control the narrative and I guess put the onus on the Brooklyn Nets to uh, you know do something he came out or the news came out that he went to Josiah and effectively gave him an ultimatum he said you either keep me or you either trade me or you fire Sean Marks and Steve Nash and this sent everyone on Twitter into an absolute tizzy um, because of course this is like very odd. This is very fucking odd for Kevin Durant to be like, it's either them or me, especially considering that he was the one who went and wanted Steve Nash. Now there were people I saw defending Joe Sai or being on Joe Sai's side. And they're like, Oh, you can't let Kevin Durant bust you around. You have to stick. You have to stick with Steve Nash and Sean Marks over him. Like, I don't understand where this take comes from. like, Logically, I don't understand how someone could, be mean, could meaningfully have this take. I don't know what fucking universe you pick a coach and a general manager over Kevin Durant. Now, I do feel that Kevin Durant might have overstepped when he said it's either me or Steve Nash and Sean Marks. I don't think Sean Marks should be involved in that conversation at all because truth be told, I don't have an issue with him, I think up until this point, Sean Marks has done a pretty decent job with this franchise. I mean, it was him who really helped put Brooklyn in a position to land Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But I saw this news, I saw Sham's tweet about it, and I said they are finally going to fucking fire Steve Nash. Now, if y'all have been listening to the show for you know any uh, for any length of time, especially over the last six, eight months or so, I've been wanted Steve Nash out of Brooklyn. I don't think that he's cut out to be an NBA coach at this time. He's definitely not cut out to be a coach to be a head coach on a championship contender. No fucking way. This guy does not have a game plan. He does not know how to properly maximize the players on his team. His game plan is effectively like, "Okay, you guys go out and put yourself yourselves in these positions to excel which is not going to last the entire time and we fucking saw how disastrous of a job he did against the Boston Celtics granted there were other factors there but he got thoroughly thoroughly outcoached by Ime Yudoka and this isn't even taking into account how disastrous of a game manager Steve Nash is as well just no idea when to use timeouts his timeout usage is always either too soon or not soon enough where instead of calling a timeout on like a 10 to 1 run he'll call a timeout on like an 18 to 1 run and it's like you're not doing anything to stop the you don't you're not doing anything to stop the momentum his rotations are disastrous his just like his seeming his seemingly just negligent approach to being an NBA Head coach. It doesn't work. And it's for these reasons that I feel Brooklyn should move on from Steve Nash. Not just because Kevin Durant said so, but now Kevin Durant, who made a disastrous decision to want Steve Nash, is, I think, recognizing the fault, or I think is recognizing that he's at fault for bringing on Steve Nash. And I think that him and Kai were a little bit more optimistic about. Nash, you know, just considering how great of a player he was in his day, but, you know, it's very hard to be a very... It's hard to be a good NBA head coach, and we're seeing that, especially with no prior experience beforehand. And it's not even like Steve Nash had, you know, assistant coaching experience. This guy had no NBA coaching experience at all. He was at best, or he was the only job that he held prior to this in any sort of capacity with an NBA organization was he was like a special advisor or a consultant to the Golden State Warriors, which doesn't do shit in regards to being a coach. But I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to breeze through this, um, this article real quick, maybe play a video for you guys, although my internet's been kind of dog shit lately. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So for the audio listeners, there is a graphic There is a graphic on screen that has the nets win projection at forty and forty two who the fuck is doing this who who looked at this team and was like, "Oh yeah, no, this is a forty win team are they as like that has to be that that projection has to be." Based off of all of... Oh my god, my fucking internet is shitting the bed right now. This is so annoying. Okay, sorry about that. Dude, my fucking... My internet is something else right now. So, I don't understand how someone could come to that... Consensus or come to that decision... To... Label the Nets as a 40-win team if they think that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be on the team because that's simply not the case. I mean, this team this year was better than that, and they didn't have Kyrie for 65% of the season, and they missed two, three weeks of Kevin Durant. No, it was more than that. It was like a month. They missed a month of Kevin Durant in the middle of the season right after the All-Star break, and they also didn't have Joe Harris. So who is the... Who is the towering intellectual that came to that came to this conclusion? I, I need to know. I need to know. But anyway, um, it just for the s- fucking sake of my internet, I'm just going to read the article to you guys. Brooklyn Nets Governor Joe Sy fo- voiced his support Monday night for the front office and coaching staff after Kevin Durant told Sy to choose between him and the team's GM and coach. Sy and Durant recently met in London. And Durant reiterated his desire to be traded and suggested the franchise needed to choose between him and Coach Steve Nash and General Manager Sean Marks. Joe Sy's tweet reads as follows, "Quote: Our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Durant initially asked for a trade on July 30th, and he hasn't backed off of that request. At 33 years old, Durant has four years and $198 million left on his contract, which means Brooklyn can be patient in waiting out teams for the kind of return it believes will eventually emerge for a star player reaching the trade market in his prime. The meeting between Durant and Cy was first reported by The Athletic, which also noted it occurred on the one-year anniversary of Durant signing his extension. Durant, along with Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, joined the Nets in the summer of 2019 after Marks and then coach Kenny Atkinson had helped lead the franchise out of the doldrums and to a surprising postseason berth. Since then, nothing has gone the way the Nets planned. Durant sat out the 2019-20 season while recovering from an Achilles tendon tear. Jordan was traded. Nash was hired to replace Atkinson. James Harden has come and gone, and Ben Simmons has yet to make his Nets debut. Irving, Irving who played in 29 games last season after choosing not to get the COVID vaccine, has also pursued an exit from Brooklyn this offseason. He created a list of teams he would have liked the Nets to consider working with on a signed trade but when none materialized, he opted into the final year of his contract. The Nets could still trade him as an expiring, although Irving would have no formal voice in a potential landing spot and have until June 30th of next year to work out an extension before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Durant averaged 30 points in 55 games last season after leading the U.S. to Olympic gold at the Tokyo Games last summer. So, I th- I don't think that Josai um has any idea what he's doing. I'm gonna be I'm gonna keep it a buck. And this isn't necessarily like this isn't a new thing where owners just they just like they just be tweeting like they really have no idea what the fuck's going on. I don't. I think that I think that. Sai, although he might be a basketball fan, I think that he views athletics as his next venture as a business person because he's invested in the Brooklyn Nets, also in the New York Liberty, the WNBA team, and then also I think has dealings with a National Lacrosse League team deal. I think that he's trying to distance himself from his previous investments and just embark on this new on this new business life which I fucking despise these multi-billionaire owners who treat sports teams like they're a business. And I've talked ad nauseum about how that's just a fucking disastrous way to go about doing business. Um, I think it's disastrous because it clouds your decision-making because you may think that you're doing what's best for the organization, but the conflict of interest is that you're trying to do what's best for the organization while also doing what's best for your bottom line. I don't care how many billionaire owners try to say otherwise. That is their primary focus. I'm I, That's just my opinion. I feel that not many of them, if any of them, are actually invested in their teams. I mean, maybe a guy like Steve Ballmer, who's got more money than God. But again, he's also like not... Too involved in the decision makings of his team, and this is also a fucking stupid tweet to tweet out because you're not even you're not showing your commitment to your star player. You are siding with the well, you are siding with the front office and the coach. If I were to if I were to do Joe size PR, I would not have taken his side in either regard. He says, you know, maybe something along the lines of. Amid the recent rumors um, surrounding Kevin Durant, I'm in constant communication with all three parties, and we will work together to find a deal that is in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. And this tweet that he issued is also contradictory because what's in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets? Keeping Kevin Durant. This is like that fucking poll that um, Chris Mannix did. I think it was Chris Mannix where this was this was many years ago the the infamous poll where he's like if you could have brad stevens or any nba player for the next five years who would you take and the poll was like seven it was like 80 to 20 the player because no shit dipshit the player is going to have more impact on winning than the coach does that's pretty obvious but what's also obvious is that the nets need a different coach I don't care that Steve Nash got the short end of the stick. He came into this job. He could have turned it down. He could have said, "I'm not ready to coach yet. Uh, thank you for the offer. I'm flattered, but I'm not ready to be a coach yet." Instead, he was like, "Yeah, sure. Fuck it." Um, I did also see this little paragraph that said it was Marks and Na- it was Marks and Si who were coaxing Steve Nash to come out of retirement and coach. I don't necessarily know how true that is. Um, You're you're foolish to think that KD and Kyrie were not consulted on this decision. The way the NBA works today is regardless. Any major decision, you are going to take into account the opinions of your star players. It's just how it goes. And if not, there's going to be even more drama. Because, again, the players are the ones who are responsible for winning the majority of the time. You're going to want their input on things that will potentially impact winning. Now, the next obvious uh, step in this question is, where does Brooklyn go from here? Because the relationship between Nash, Durant, and Marks is fractured. Very clearly so. The relationship between Kyrie, Nash, and Marks is seemingly fractured. There were, there were reports that said Kyrie harbors similar feelings to Kevin Durant but I think that's courtesy, that was a quote courtesy of the New York Post and their sources, so I don't necessarily know how true that is. Regardless, I would not be surprised if that were the case because, again, of everything that happened with Kyrie and the COVID vaccine. Like, I understand why Brooklyn did it, and in retrospect, they went about it the wrong way because they kicked Kyrie to the curb immediately. They immediately kicked him to the curb, even though... Everybody knew that he was going to come back at some point. They, the Nets, postured like they had some fucking moral superiority, and then came groveling back to Kyrie to come play when things were when shit began to hit the fan. But everyone knew that shit was going to hit the fan. Everybody knew it, and uh, I saw some members of Nick's Twitter. I think I don't even know if it was a member of Nick's Twitter, but they were just going through like all of the, all of the decisions that the Brooklyn Nets went through since Kevin Durant got there. And I'm not going to pull up this tweet for two reasons because I don't have it. I don't remember who tweeted it. I don't recall where I saw it. I just remember seeing it. I also don't want to put this person on blast because like I just because I just I simply don't want to. But they were talking about how KD comes, KD Kyrie comes and they make the Nets sign DeAndre Jordan. And Pretty much the consensus was when it happened back in 2019, the consensus was amongst all of NBA Twitter, if you have the chance to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie, you also sign DeAndre Jordan because you do not get that caliber of player coming to your team all the time. So you bite the bullet, you do that. And then there was their ousting of Kenny Atkinson, a decision I supported because Kenny, much like Steve Nash, had so many issues with mostly managing the basketball games. He had similar issues with rotations. He had similar issues with um, timeouts and just little things like in-game adjustments, shit like that. However, there were redeeming qualities to Kenny Atkinson's coaching ability, namely his ability to develop players, which has worked out exceptionally well for guys like Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, etc. And now he's go. I think... He went to the Warriors. Um, there were some talks about him getting a head coaching job. Uh, no, actually, he signed with the Charlotte Hornets, if I remember, if I, if I recall correctly. But the point being that at that point in time, Kenny Atkinson was not ready to be a head coach on a contending team. And when the news cycle was coming out, when they were talking about, oh, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, uh, Steve Nash was thrown in there, Becky Hammond, uh, taron Liu, of all these coaches – the ones that I liked the most were Becky Hammond and Taron Liu. Okay. Mark Jackson, not not a good coach. Steve Nash, no previous coaching experience. Jeff Van Gundy could have maybe had the potential, but I don't know. I, he's he's been so far removed from coaching, I don't know what the transition would be like. I would have wanted I wanted Becky Hammond. Straight up. Great coach. Works worked under Pop for many years. I think that she I think that she would have been a better option. And Steve Nash and then they started talking about trading for James Harden and what really fucking bothers me about like this kind of discourse is that people's just seemingly don't remember they just they don't remember what the discourse was like at the time of the trade like obviously in retrospect after seeing how his tenure turned out yeah maybe they shouldn't have traded for James Harden but this team Was trying to win for was trying to contend for a championship, and Harden, before his hamstring injury, was still an all NBA caliber player. He wanted out of Houston as well. He wanted to go to a contender. Of course, he later came out that he never wanted to be with Brooklyn. He wanted to be with Philly the whole time. And then, like, he needs to be uh, he needs to be a little bit at fault as well for even entertaining Brooklyn if he knew he wasn't going to be there long term. Like the whole purpose of this team this whole team was built around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving being healthy. And then they traded a bunch of guys who collectively were maybe a little bit better than peak James Harden. But that's a risk you take when you're trying to contend for a championship. And it's disingenuous to look at these moves without recognizing that they may not have been necessary, but they were certainly high quality risks to take. Because you rebuild the team and you have KD, you have Kyrie, you have James Harden, you have Nick Claxton, you have Joe Harris before he gets hurt, you have Patty Mills, you have Bruce Brown, you see how well uh, Kessler Edwards developed. Like, the, there's a, a portion of NBA Twitter who just wants to put all of the blame on Kevin Durant. And that's not the case. Okay, that's not the case. As far as I'm concerned, the only thing that I feel he fucked up with was high, was caping for Steve Nash in the first place. And we don't even know how much of an impact that had on their decision to hire him. Because ultimately, the stars are not responsible for the actions of the front office they can provide input they can provide their opinion but ultimately it's sean Marks and possibly even joe Tsai who are the ones executing these decisions like that that's where i'm at and again if you think if you're picking steve nash over kevin durant in this instance you're just doing it to be spiteful like keep it a buck with yourself Own it. Own it. If you're a non Nets fan who is picking Steve Nash over Kevin Durant, and I keep saying only Steve Nash because I don't think that Sean Marks deserves to be fired. And I think that's a compromise that KD will be willing to make if he is, you know, if Sean Marks' previous history is, you know, brought back into question. Like, does Sean Marks have some questionable, have some blemishes on his resume? 100%. But he has done some good things steve nash is expendable for all, for all uh, for for all intents and purposes so if you're a non nets fan who's picking steve nash i think you're just doing it to be spiteful and if you're a nets fan who's siding with steve nash you you've just been lobotomized like there's not a single ridge on your brain because we we have all these discussions about player empowerment and how we want to side with the players we want to be pro player. And then, like, certain shit will come up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm pro player empowerment in every instance except for this one. Meanwhile, this is the most fucking cut and dry instance of it because if forced between a MVP candidate and a below average head coach, who are you going to pick? Who is the obvious decision in this regard, in this instance? It's the player. It's the player. But regardless, um, I still don't think anything is going to come of this deal. Um, I, I think that Kevin Durant stays in Brooklyn. I hope that Steve Nash gets fired again. If you guys have been listening or if you're new here, I've been talking about firing Steve Nash since the All-Star break. Maybe even before that, since Christmas, because it's just like, it, it was a failed experiment. And, you know, shit happens. And I know, I rail on organizations all the time for having short, leash, short leashes with their head coaches, but it's different when you're a rebuilding team who fires a coach after two years, and when you're a contending team who fires a coach after two years. Because when you're a rebuilding team who hires a rookie head coach, you're hoping that he can develop alongside your players. But when you're a contending team who hires a head coach, you need that head coach to be at a similar level to your players. There's a difference. There's... There's a... Straight up. There's a difference. Um I think that's about all that I have to say in regards to this. We're we'll see what happens. We we'll, we'll see what happens. My prediction though is still nothing's going to come with this. I I I sincerely I sincerely believe that. I think that Kevin Durant remains a member of the Brooklyn Nets for the foreseeable future, at least for this season. Anything is possible beyond this season, but I think that after the conclusion of the 2022-2023 season if brooklyn fails to win a championship i believe that the consensus both within the fan base and within the organization will be like okay this was a this was a failed experiment and it should um uh, this was a failed experiment and maybe it's time to move on which would definitely fucking suck but unfortunately like that it it bees like that sometimes it sucks, but you know, so it goes, um, there really are no other NBA stories. I was very nervous about even doing a show today because there was like literally no fucking news to come out at least of the NBA. Um, there's been some stuff with the NFL and we'll get to it. We'll get to Deshaun Watson. I definitely want to talk about that because Last week we talked about his suspension and how his suspension wasn't justified, or it was um, it was too short. His suspension was unjustified because it was too short, and the whole big thing was that the NFL was not going to overrule Judge Robinson's decision because it was her first in, it was her first case, and they wanted to show that they had confidence in her, um, in her abilities. That's not the case. I'm actually pleasantly surprised that the NFL is doing the right thing here, Roger Goodell is effectively taking this case in his hand. He's taking this case by the throat and is overseeing it now. He wanted a year suspension for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson got six games. Everyone freaked the fuck out. And, you know, I think that Roger Goodell felt that this was potentially a time for the NFL to start fresh and look at how they conduct their penalties because the NFL is notoriously lenient on severe penalties for severe infractions. This was a case to get off on the right foot. You have a high-profile player who's on a massive contract, he's exceptionally talented, and he does or he allegedly commits 24 acts or he allegedly sexually assaults 24 women goes to civil court they settle out and then he's handed a 6 game suspension when again comparatively Calvin Ridley got a year for gambling and that was i think that i think that would have been it if not for the Calvin Ridley punishment i think that the NFL would have overlooked this and just kind of kept it they would just would have kept it moving but you know i think they're pushing for a year I'm um, again. I'm. I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised. However, this case is still, you know, not over. There's still going to be a lot of news coming out, um, in regards to Deshaun Watson, and you know, just I guess, maybe not necessarily his future, but his his short-term future for sure. Now, this is a report from I think Peter King, uh, NBC Sports. Is Peter King says, um, or the title of this article. The report is from Peter King. I'm really just like fucking up this whole segment right here. This report is from Peter King. This article is courtesy of Bleacher Report. And the headline reads, Deshaun Watson's, quote, rigged Browns contract does not sit well with the NFL and their 31 owners. Not only was the six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson considered too light of a punishment, many were also upset about how his contract with the Cleveland Browns helps him financially. Watson has a 1.03. $1.035 million salary for 2022 and he will lose about $345,000 from missed game checks from a six-game suspension that is collectively he will miss roughly $345,000 over six games Um, His nearly $45 million signing bonus will will not be affected by the suspension. According to Peter King, the rest of the league has taken issue with the contract structure. Quote, One influential NFL person told me on this trip that it doesn't sit well with the league or 31 other owners that the Browns rigged the Watson contract so that his suspension would cause him to lose only a fraction of his 2022 compensation. End quote. The NFL announced it will appeal the suspension and seek a harsher penalty, according to ESPN's Jake Trotter. The league wants an indefinite suspension that lasts a minimum of one year to go with the fine. I think that the year-long suspension is fine. Um, the year-long, including the regular season and the postseason. So he effectively sits out 12 calendar months from September to September, at least in regards to physically playing games that matter you know uh, even with the suspension the current suspension he's still allowed to be at training camp he's still allowed to play preseason games um I would even like not allow him to play preseason games I think he could do training camp he can practice um before the preseason but I don't want to see Deshaun Watson suited up with the Browns in any capacity preseason regular season or postseason until 2023 Watson faced 24 civil lawsuits from women who accused him of sexual assault or sexual harassment. He has since agreed to settlements with all but one of the plaintiffs. Disciplinary Officer Sue Robinson wrote in her report, the investigation confirmed Watson engaged in sexual assault. Um, Remember, this is the civil proceedings, not the legal proceedings. So there will be no jail time for Deshaun Watson, only the workplace penalty plus the compensation paid out. To the plaintiffs, the current suspension still only represents a minor loss financially for Watson, especially compared to his two hundred and thirty million dollar overall guaranteed contract with Cleveland. The five year deal features a forty six million dollar base salary in each of the next four years, while no guarantees can be voided by future suspensions per spot track. it's not uncommon for teams to get creative with contracts to reduce the cap hit tampa bay buck star tom brady is scheduled to make 30 million in 2022 although he has just a 1.12 million dollar base salary and an 11.9 million dollar cap hit on the other hand the browns have 42 million dollars in cap space available more than double any other team in the nfl it seems watson's deal was less about helping the team and more about reducing the impact of a likely suspension that is 100 percent what the Browns were looking to do when negotiating with Deshaun Watson. They knew that something was gonna happen to him in 2022. They they knew it. Everyone knew that there was going to be some sort of suspension for this man or some sort of punishment for these for these crimes. So Cleveland in an effort to <laughs> really in an effort to protect Deshaun Watson They made it so that he's... And as the article points out, they made it so that way he's not affected by the suspension financially. I mean, not like it matters because, you know, he still made a decent amount of money up until his career thus far. Yes, he has to pay out the money to all of these settlements, but he's going to make $46 million a year over the next fucking... Over the next fucking four years. Like, Cleveland... Unlike what Tom, unlike what the Buccaneers did with Tom Brady, Cleveland did this solely based off the suspension. Whereas Tampa Bay did it so that way they could continue to put weapons around Tom Brady, evidenced by them recently signing Julio Jones. The Browns didn't do that. Okay, I mean they did sign Amari Cooper, and that's fine and all, but they still have a fucking buttload of they still have a fucking buttload of cap space, but. I think that this whole situation is kind of just like really fucked up everything for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it's bad enough that they, it's bad enough that they're all in Cleveland, but I mean, they, they knew, they knew what they were getting into with Deshaun Watson. So ultimately I don't feel sympathy for, I don't feel sympathy for the organization because they could have just, you know, kept Baker Mayfield granted, you know, in terms of talent, Deshaun Watson is a better option at quarterback, but you were bringing on all this baggage. You voluntarily signed Deshaun Watson, knowing that all of this is going on, and for that, I feel no sympathy. And I don't think it's wrong. It, it, I don't feel that it's wrong to not feel sympathy for them because this is all self-inflicted. And now, of course, you have Kareem Hunt, who is like, "Oh yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to be here. Trade me." It's like, okay, I respect that. I respect that. Um, mainly, but you know. Kareem Hunt is doing it so that way he could be the featured back in a different offense. I feel like that's his primary motivation because although he's an exceptionally talented back, having to split time between, you know, having to split touches with Nick Chubb, that's not, I don't think that's what any young running back wants to do in their prime. But I mean, I'm sure this is not the end of the Deshaun Watson situation. You know, I'm certain that there will be more stuff that comes out. Um, I'm I'm certain there'll be more stuff. Uh, God damn it! That comes out. I'm just trying to dig for a few more. You know, just trying to dig for some more NBA content content to give y'all. There's that little beef between Paolo Banchero. Banchero. I'm fucking, I'm fucking half Italian and I can't even pronounce an Italian last name. What a fucking, what a disgrace I am. To my forefathers, there's like that beat. There's that little spat going on with him and Dejounte Murray, and Dejounte Murray threatening to fucking blow out his back, which is absolutely fucking hilarious. Another, another fucking. Oh god, I forgot about this. This is this is this is this is strictly for content. There was this rumor that came out a few days ago that (laughs) that Ben Simmons left the group chat left the nets group chat during their series against the celtics it was fucking courtesy of rick Buker. i don't know who is like following rick Bucher's reports in 2022 but he said that and folks are like there's no way that this happened but there was this one tweet i saw i'm gonna sneeze give me a second there was this one tweet i saw that said there's no shot that this happened, but this is the propaganda I fucking love. Now, here's Shams going to clear that up for us.
1: I got a text from this guy last night, okay? Whoa. After I put a tweet up, I dabbled into the NBA world, into yeah. the rumors world, mm-hmm. into the story world okay. on Twitter, and uh, it was a story from Rick
0: Buecher. Buecher.
1: Buecher. Oh, Rick Buecher went on to uh, Conkite Herds, the heard yesterday, mm-hmm. and he basically, in passing, told a joke, a story that... The team had asked Ben Simmons to play in that Game 5 against the Celtics or something like that in the playoffs. Game 4 against the Celtics in the playoffs. And uh, the team, this is not the coach or the GM or anything, the team did that. And Ben Simmons didn't even answer (laughs) He just removed himself from oh, the group text. No. <laughs> Yikes. One of the most hilarious things I've ever heard in my life. Now, I was being presented as if this was a real story from a real insider in a position of professionalism as telling a story. Said it as a joke, but told the story as somebody that was insider. Didn't, didn't get the full conversation. That's on me. I get a text from Shams goes, we have to talk about this tomorrow. Shams, you're telling me that this awesome, legendary thing happened and it it went a little differently? Like he gave a response like, guys, I'm really hurt. Fuck you. And then he left? Or did this whole thing is a a big fugace?
0: Pat, I just said I just need to be on the show tomorrow. Um, All I'm going to say on this is this never happened. Whoa, oh whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Bucher? You're
1: calling Buker a liar? Never happened. And, and I don't, I don't think Ben Simmons
0: time. actually, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do some more. He's I'm, ruining some go, I'm going to give Ben Simmons some love on, on, here. Um, I mean, I, from everything I've been told, he is doing more on the floor. He's looking good. I, so. So um, I, I think the Nets yeah, have high, me. high expectations for Ben Simmons next year. And that's, we, effective, we got three... that's effectively it. Pat McAfee put Rick Buker on the spot. And he fucking alley-ooped that shit to Shams. And Shams dunked on this man and said, That's bullshit, bro. You are- And he said, That's bullshit, bro. You are bugging. This never happened. And of course it never fucking happened. Because what source does Rick Buecher have? What source? His source is like fucking Reddit, probably. There was some fucking Redditor that was like, Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm just I'm going to spread misinformation online and he fucking took it and ran with it. But yeah, it's awesome. Um just in case that it just in case it didn't pick up on you know the audio even though it said that it was even though it said that it was effectively what happened was Rick Buker says Rick Buker spreads misinformation himself says that <laughs> he said that Ben Simmons left the Brooklyn Nets group chat before uh, Simmons never played for the Nets last season, yada, yada. Uh, He was basically spreading misinformation, said Ben Simmons left the Brooklyn Nets group chat (laughs) ahead of game four. Quote, they're having a team chat before game four thinking he's going to play against the Celtics. And from what I'm told, Ben just left the chat. They asked him, are you going to play? Ben left the chat. Like he didn't even—he didn't even answer the question. Just left the chat. And Shams fucking Sharanya said, "That's Cap. Say Cap right now. You're done. It's a wrap. Sit the fuck down, Rick Bucher. And if you believe that report, if you believe that report, you—you you have to go outside right now. I don't care that there's a heat advisory. You need to touch grass ASAP. You need to disconnect. You need to disconnect yourself." from the internet just please take us take a fucking step outside please and thank you now with that uh we're gonna shift away from basketball talk I want to go ahead and discuss some real life shit that's going on because it's fucking it's fucking crazy so as you guys know Donnie Mr. Donald Trump, Mr. Donnie with the dumpy got his Florida residence raided by the federales. The FBI pulled up with a search warrant and said, let us in. We're taking all we're taking everything. I'm just trying to find an article right here. Uh, It's absolutely. It is absolutely it's delicious content it is absolutely fucking delicious content that the former president of the united states is being raided by the fbi uh do not get it twisted though nothing is going to come of this he's not going to go to jail there are a whole bunch of republicans freaking the fuck out screeching wetting their pants that you know this is a political hit job this is unjust like meanwhile they all know that justice is justice never comes justice is never served to people in Washington this is in in terms of all of the heinous shit that Donald Trump has done and all the things that he should be prosecuted for I'm not talking about you know domestically with the insurrection I'm talking about just like uh he fucking assassinated that Iranian leader um A couple of years ago like just in cold blood fucking chopped just ass blasted this dude i'm not talking about like all the violations of international law which by the way every other president before him has also violated and does not see consequences for um i really like this story more than anything else because i love i love watching the republicans in washington just literally get their just like I love watching them squirm and like piss all over themselves, even though they all know full well that nothing is going to come of this. So if just in case you guys don't know, if you stay disconnected from politics, I'm going to read you this article courtesy of the failing institution that is is CNN. It reads... Top congressional Republicans are rushing to former President Donald Trump's defense after the FBI executed a search warrant at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida as part of an investigation into the handling of potentially classified material. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy told Merrick Garland to, quote, preserve your documents and clear your calendar, warning of an oversight probe when Republicans take back the chamber in the midterm elections. The Justice Department has reached an intolerable state of weaponized politicization. House Republicans briefly t- b- briefly discussed the FBI search during a conference call on Tuesday. Multiple sources multiple sources tell CNN top Republicans made clear that they want to get answers and a full accounting from the Justice Department. The call had been previously scheduled in order to discuss the Inflation Reduction Act coming to the House floor Friday. But at the top of the call, McCarthy kicked things off that turned things over to Rep. Jim Jordan, the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, and Rep. Mike Turner. Yeah, Mike Turner, the top Republican on the House Intelligence Committee. So effectively, I'm not going to read this entire article because it's lengthy, but this is one of those instances where every detail gets better and better. So as you guys know, Donald Trump was subpoenaed multiple times for various reasons. Uh for January sixth for um, you know, tax bullshit. I think it was the Southern District Court of New York that was subpoena that was subpoenaing him subpoena subpoena that subpoenaed him for um, you know, they wanted his tax documents, whatever. None of this shit like matters. Nothing's gonna happen. He's fine. Donald Trump has diplomatic immunity. Nothing's gonna happen. The worst that happens, and this was a detail that surfaced Um, most recently there is this certain part of the US code that deals with like the removal and the mutilation of I guess like documents in general of federal documents that will prevent the person who does so from holding office in the future now this was like also a whole part of trying to impeach him because if he gets impeached he won't be able to run in 2024 and folks are fucking psychotic and think that They're doing this to prevent him from running in 2024, even though if he runs, I don't think he's going to win because the numbers show, the polls show that nobody wants a repeat of 2020. Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run in 2024. I think it's like 75% of Democrats don't want um they I think it was either 70 or 75% of Dems don't want Joe Biden to run in 2024 and 65 or 70% of Republicans don't want Trump to want to run in 2024. So basically we are going to get Ron DeSantis versus Pete Buttigieg in 2024. Um so even if this is a poli- political hit job it doesn't matter cuz Trump is not I, I I don't think that he's going to win if he runs in 2024. Straight up. Uh, I think that he's got a very dedicated base, but it is begun to severely dwindle in recent years. But back to the matters that are at hand. So the FBI, who very clearly have been plotting this for a few months now, I mean, they obtained a search warrant. They went through all the legal procedures to get this warrant to get into Donald Trump's Um, private estate the first juicy detail I saw this that made me laugh was the fact that the FBI director that ordered this raid was the one that he hired almost five years ago to the day and then the second juicy detail was that the secret service that was at Mar-a-Lago didn't even try to keep the FBI out of his residence they didn't even try to protect the former president they let these fools in they the secret service the secret service let the fbi into <laughs> into donald trump's mar-a-lago residence i'm gonna find the tweet because it's fucking awesome oh here we go the FBI notified the Secret Service that a warrant would be executed and Secret Service facilitated access to the Trump property as fellow federal agents did not take part in an investigation or a search. This is just a reminder guys, it really do be your own people. It it's always it's always your own. It's never not. And just another instance of keeping your friends close but your enemies closer. Now, one thing that does one thing again that does it for me is I love watching all the Republicans fucking shit themselves and like screech about defunding the FBI like Marjorie Taylor Greene literally tweeted defund the FBI. And I love it because it again highlights that the Republican lawmakers are brainless, soulless ghouls who just don't believe in anything. They just, they exist to be contrarian. They exist to say the opposite of whatever the biggest current news story is. And that's clear with everything that's going on with Donald Trump. Like, they're talking about this is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. The FBI has no jurisdiction to do this. This is a political, this is a political hit job. And it's like, no, dude, it's fucking not. This is literally how, (laughs) how, This is literally how first world countries conduct this type of shit. Like, Dan Bongino, the worst Italian ever to exist, was like, this is third world bullshit. Like, no, fam, if it were third world bullshit, motherfuckers would just be getting thrown in prison. Which, oh, by the way, still exists here because federal agents can violate your Fourth Amendment right. They can can violate the protections that you have from all unlawful search and seizure and you can't do anything about it you live within 100 miles of a border that's a constitution free zone border patrol agents can kick in your house and just fucking rough you up go through your shit and they are protected they are protected from any sort of repercussions and this is what republicans like this is what republicans want and again it just further shows that they don't believe in anything because these same dipshits when they were talking about Britney Griner getting locked up in a Russian prison, getting... If you want to talk about an unjust punishment, Brittany Griner being sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison for getting busted with less than a gram of marijuana is an unjust punishment. And do you know how we know it's unjust? Because that's not even what the fucking law says in Russia. The law in Russia, if you're caught with less than or with up to six grams of marijuana, the penalty the punishment is a fine and or up to 15 days imprisonment if you're caught with a minuscule amount of weed it's not even considered a criminal offense it's considered i think um an administrative offense it's not even real a real punishment but these fucking dipshits are like "Uh, well you shouldn't have broken the law sweaty you should know that you're not allowed to have weed in russia sweaty and then donald trump literally gets his ass cheeks clapped by the FBI, and they're like, oh, no, law and order is not for us. No, no, you should, you're should. you able to prosecute the working man, and you're able to prosecute persons of color, but you can't prosecute the elite. You can't do this. No, 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 and they just start having a fucking temper, temper tantrum, and it's like projection almost because if you're this bent out of shape over the FBI doing what, like, what their job is, their job is federal... Investigators, They are federal cops. They are cops that operate at the federal level. I mean, these guys will fucking... These dudes will suck law enforcement, enforcement to completion. You know, they fund the police more and more. They're like, oh, the libs are terrible for defund the police, which, by the way, is not even a thing that the libs want to do. But they will suck... They will suckle on the teat of law enforcement. And then when law enforcement does law enforcement things to them they're like oh hold on wait a minute we we can talk this out this isn't allowed to happen it's like remember i'm an elected official i became an elected official so that way i can obtain diplomatic immunity and not be prosecuted for my crimes like these fools like matt gates marjorie taylor green like all of these wackos it's they're just projecting because they probably all have shit to hide like do you not believe in due process i mean we don't even know if if donald trump is guilty yet okay we we don't know if this is a thing the the feds might have done the feds might have done a sweep and although they probably feel that they have a considerable amount of evidence we still have to afford donald trump due process because you know we are in we are in quote-unquote advanced society we afford due process to people who are suspected of committing crimes but I just wish that these folks kept like the same energy for Brittany Griner, because maybe then we would have gotten further along in talks with Russia in a, about a potential prisoner swap. But like, I, they're like Republicans are just soulless, thoughtless ghouls. Like they literally exist just to be contrarian. I mean, I and I don't like. I guess this is a, this is me going off into a tangent now. But I don't understand how people vote for them because. They just fucking—they just suck so fucking hard. Like, they make a big stink about shit like this, about everything that's going on with Donald Trump. But then, like, they don't do—they don't do anything substantive later on. I mean, do we not forget that House Republicans voted against gay marriage? House Republicans voted not to fund the FDA to prevent another baby formula shortage— House Republicans or Senate Republicans voted to not cap insulin at $35. Like, these guys are ghouls, man. They are just fucking grifters. Like, it's so crazy to... It's so crazy to me that the Republican grift is the easiest thing to do. Like, I make this joke routinely, like, behind closed doors. I've never said it on here. But, like, if I wanted to... I could be the most successful Republican grifter ever because all it takes to be a successful grifter is you have to be able to talk well, you have to be articulate, and you have to be handsome. That's literally it. Or if you're not handsome, you just have to be super vitriolic. Like look at Tucker Carlson. This guy doesn't have a chin and yet he is the most watched news personality in America. But I just wanted to get uh I just wanted to have some laughs on here I mean the memes were fucking the memes were uber rich I think that's I think that's my favorite part like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up my likes right now try to find um, did I not I thought I liked it oh this was probably my uh, my favorite take Fox News seems like they pretend for Fox News seems like they prepared for this Like, the BBC has the plan for when the Queen dies. Um, Oh, they got Steve Bannon on the phone. That's awesome. Dan Bongino, again, talking about third world bullshit, which, like, I mean, you know, very, very, it would be a very valid argument to call the United States a third world country in some regards. Like, again, like, the way our fucking healthcare system operates, like, definitely not up to par with the other quote-unquote highly industrialized first world Western nations and even like Eastern nations like Japan and and South Korea. But I think it like these guys, they have to know, they have to know that nothing is probably going to happen to Trump because like nothing has ever happened to any politician that has done something unsavory. I mean, Dick Cheney is still alive. George Bush is still alive and they literally leveled the fucking Middle East. I mean, Joe Biden is still alive and he wrote the fucking crime bill. I mean, Richard Nixon got impeached and really nothing came of that. I mean, Ronald Reagan, well, Ronald Reagan's been dead, but he was alive for a while after being the most fucking disastrous president in modern history. Like, there is no justice. Justice does not exist. It, it it's not real. It's not true. Um yeah, it's I I love it though. I love it. I, again, I I just wanted to talk about this so I can get my thoughts off on these people just pissing all over themselves for for just like no reason and how reactionary they are they're like oh my god defund the FBI defund the FBI it's like based okay i get it but like why defund the FBI because Donald Trump is being investigated like don't the def- don't defund the FBI for their neglect of domestic terrorism don't defund the FBI and the CIA for, I don't know, making numerous leftist personalities disappear. I mean, the FBI literally, they fucking killed Fred Hampton. Like, don't defund the FBI for any of that. Defund the FBI for pers- for, going after Donald Trump for his role in January 6th, which, like, we all know what his role was. He fucking helped orchestrate it. I mean, he was the sitting president during a coup which was you know largely fueled by his inflammatory rhetoric and like I'm not one of those guys who's like oh I'm not someone who's like oh the insurrection is the worst is worse than 9-11 like I'm not that I'm not that off my rocker like I got you know a decent amount of brain disease but not like that I mean I will definitely agree that it should not have happened and it's not a good look for people to be storming The halls of congress for something for something so innocuous as the election being quote-unquote stolen like it sucks that it happened and it should not have happened but like ultimately in the grand scheme of things it was like a baby it was like a baby revolution i mean like again compared to like the french revolution yeah the the january 6th insurrection was fucking really dumb it was just a bunch of it was literally just a bunch of fucking small business owners taking a day off and taking a field trip to Washington DC to just like be stupid together they were being dumb on Maine thinking that the election was stolen I mean I guess that's all I really have to say on this I've been at this for about an hour. So I'm going to call it here as always. Thank you guys so very much for coming to hang out with me today. Everything I'm associated with is down in the description box below Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Follow the Twitch channel. I go live every Tuesday at 2 PM Eastern uh, subscribe, leave a like, leave a rating, leave a review on your preferred podcast player of choice. And again, thank you guys very much and I'll catch y'all in the next one.